0: 007 had just come out. Sebastian Foucault killed it. Everybody's like, I want that in my movie or commercial. And in Hollywood, there was no that um, until they found this new thing called Tempest.
1: What's up, guys? Today's guest is a professional stuntman and the CEO of Tempest Freerunning. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Gabe Nunez what's up dog finally made this happen i know a couple years in the making
0: <laughs> i think it might be more than a couple how yeah. long
1: have you been going almost three <laughs> okay so let's call it three let's
0: call it three then. <laughs> oh, and i
1: baited this man into it i uh, i recently got to help mc kings of the concrete and you were like what do you want payment wise i'm like come on the co- podcast finally <laughs> Thank you bro, you saved me a little bit of money, probably a lot of money, probably a lot of money, yeah, I'm not cheap, Uh, no man, Uh, but thanks for having me uh, as a part of your event and thanks for coming on here, Um, honestly we can't give away tons of it, but Kings of the Concrete was a massive success, everyone in the community has been just loving it and can't wait to share more about it when it's public, you know.
0: Yeah dude, so let me step back first, I have to clarify, I've always wanted to jump on here with you, I have. And I always was like, man, when I launch this podcast or when I do this. Like, let, let's do it when we have some shit to talk about. The perfect timing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh first, thank you for continuing to push me because I probably <laughs> get at least a text from you once a year where you're like, dude, i have always got to check. When that. come on, you said so. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. I'm I'm stoked to be here, but um having you be a part of KOTC, um, was kind of an interesting afterthought in the process because KOTC was never meant to be a live event. Yeah. Um, And so once we realized it was a live event, it it became like, yo, where's Travis? You (laughs) think Travis would do this? Hmm.
1: Should I approach Travis about this? And uh, dude, you fucking killed it. Dude, I, I had so much fun. Honestly, I tell people all the time, like I have the best seat in the house. Why would I not be down to be a part of it? You know, like, Yeah,
0: I guess I guess for me, like I'm somebody who I just want to sit back in the cut and and fall in love with what's happening. Like, you know, I mean, I want to soak it up from the audience perspective almost. Um, And even like being a judge at competitions in the past, I've always still felt like, damn, there's still something so much more special when you're just getting to like authentically enjoy it and not focus on anything else. So, I do not want your spot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's so funny. I don't want to be a judge, just to clarify, because honestly, to me, that's like the most pressurized situation. And that's the one that leaves you open to uh, criticism from the outside community, obviously, and things like that. But hosting's cool, man, because I just get to walk around. I'm like, damn, that was crazy. Like, that was cool. So, yeah, thanks for letting me be a part, man. Yeah, man. Dude, everybody loved it. They really did. Everybody had really good
0: things to say. Um, especially people who don't even know our world. There's a handful of people there that we invited or that came out and bought tickets that don't understand our world. They don't, they never understood the danger of our sport until seeing it live. They never understood um, who's who in the sport. They didn't know any of these athlete names. They didn't know you. Um, Even from people like that, we got really good feedback about how interactive the event was, how, Uh, the shit kept moving and, uh, and I think it was cool to see like, oh, this shit has an audience outside of our sport. I mean, we always knew that and we always want to believe that, but seeing it and being a part of noticing that was,
1: was, uh, that was special. I think like the obvious question everyone in the community has is like, when are we going to get to finally see it? Or like, why is it being held a secret? Like, obviously I know you may not have a release date on it yet, but, uh, can you explain the reasoning behind why it was like a private event for lack of a better term?
0: Yeah, so let me kind of backtrack with a little history of why yeah. KOTC ever even became something. Um started off as like just a really dope phrase that I <laughs> fucking loved and we had it on um a clothing collection for for Tempest about 5 years ago. I don't know, it was a while back. And that phrase just I could never get that phrase out of my head. It's yeah. something sick. It kind of describes us in a way that like feels empowering and and uh and as we over time started developing ideas and things for competition, um, one thing that I really wanted to do is like copy Rooftop, yeah, Mike Escamilla, yeah, um, yeah, BMXer. I, I wanted to copy in a way an event that he threw that never came to fruition. Never came to fruition. Okay. Um. So he invited me years ago to this thing called Rooftops Pool Party, and they like. They got this mansion, old run-down mansion with a pool in the back. I don't even know if it's a mansion or if it's just so cool that I'm calling it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like an abandoned pool in the back. They cleaned the pool out. They, they built additional walls out of wood, like just super rough, like nothing pretty, like very take it back to the streets. Yeah. And then they privately invited all these badass riders ah. to compete in the pool. And it was rooftops pool party and they filmed the whole thing, but they didn't publicize this. It wasn't live streamed. You couldn't watch it. Yeah. And then GoPro, they filmed it all on GoPros sick and GoPro was supposed to release that footage and uh, it never came out. Oh. Never, so I got to see the live event and I was like, so inspired. I was like, this is sick. Something that like really just takes it back to yeah, like yeah. what we do. Um, And so that was like my first like, Oh, I want to throw one of these one day. Um, No live audience. Uh, get all of our, our Tempest filmmaking team to just shoot the shit out of this and package something that's dope and enjoyable to watch. That was like the the birth of the concept. And then the phrase kept popping in my head, Kings of the Concrete. I was staring at, like, Corey and Jesse were going to Michigan and, and, uh, and going to Grant Fountain. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, that was, like, the dream spot for it. And uh, so we actually started developing – the competition to go there.
1: No way. Um, okay.
0: Yeah. And so I, I don't even know when, but probably three years ago, um, Corey, Jesse, Lucy, um, Vic, I, I can't even remember everybody involved, apologies for that. But we were all trying to like concept this and turn Kings of the Concrete into a dope event yeah. that would happen there. Okay. Um and we went as far as like reaching out to Corey's dad who's still there to see if he could start talking to the city and get us in there. Um, and for whatever reasons we, that, that peeled apart or, or went away and maybe COVID played a part in that at a certain point. yeah. Um, but it just, it just wasn't going to happen for a while. Um, and just got kind of put on a back burner. So like it was always meant originally to just be a private competition where invited athletes only don't submit nothing. You just get invited to go and do something dope. Yeah. Compete at a spot that you've never uh, competed at before. We capture that footage, turn it into something and show it off to the world yeah. at, at whatever date when it gets released. And um, in the development of this new version of what Kings of the Concrete becomes, uh, it very quickly became apparent like people want to, people want to watch this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You want to come and see it live. And, and so we tried hard not to promote like, this is a live event come, um, very limited tickets, but, but honestly the live show portion of this was an afterthought. Um, and that's when we were like, Oh shit, we're going to have how many people here? Oh, we got to figure <laughs> out bleachers. Bleaches. We got to like, dude. Yeah. yeah. So I, I won't keep <laughs> rambling cause I'm sure we'll get into all the other little pieces of it, but that's why, um, It started as this
1: video that gets released and not a live streamed event. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It was just supposed to be like a tape thing and then surprise to the world. Like, here, check out this thing we had. Yeah. Ah,
0: And something that could continuously be just organic, a fat cash prize at the end of it, because that was something just important to me is like, let's see how much we can come up with to to throw at an
1: athlete winner
0: takes all style and just something cutthroat, but fun and, and like, I don't know, a Tempest vibe.
1: So what spurred you on to actually finally making it happen this year?
0: We tried. So I think going into 2020, we had started doing the Tempest Mystery Pro Street Tournament. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. This is one event. Yeah,
1: this is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So we, we
0: had the year prior, 2019, we had dropped a collection um, that was all about coordinates mm-hmm. and inspired by like Tony Hawk's uh, skateboard drops and, and, and other shit that brands were doing where you drop a coordinate or you drop a location and people show up. Totally. We were like, dude, let's do a, Let's do a competition that way. Like ah. let's, let's make a small commitment, 250 yeah. bucks every month for the rest of 2020. That mm-hmm. was the commitment. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that. And we're going to do it live in LA because we want to like, um, just brew up opportunity for people to like get together with the purpose of like a street style friendly competition. That's kind of wild um, and not so formal, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, so that was the goal in 2020 was to do that every month of the year. And it very quickly got interrupted by COVID shutdowns, um, which then turned into, well, we committed to 250 bucks a month. Let's not lose Sight on what we committed to because we still want to be doing something that's providing athletes an opportunity to get together, and maybe now it's not physically, now it's virtually. Um, Onlines, yeah, but the onlines wasn't even born right away. It was just, it just turned into like, okay, let's have people submit and we'll choose. We have a a team of athletes choose a winner, Mm -hmm. and uh, and that winner would take two hundred fifty bucks. We'll send them that cash, and uh, dude, we got like over two hundred submissions the first one. Wow, And yeah. like, I've been a part of Art Motion and, yeah, yeah. and other things. And I see how many submissions come in. I'm like, yo, we didn't even, we didn't even try that hard. Yeah, yeah. As far as like, this was not planned and, and prepped. And we didn't give months of advanced totally. notice. Like, we just dropped this and it's only for 250 bucks. Yeah, and we got yeah. 200 submissions or more. Um, and so immediately it was like, yo, we got to keep this up. This is cool. Um, at least until we can go back to... These, In live, person these live in-person yeah, totally. uh, tournaments. And um, I think we did it for one or two months that way. And then uh, it's funny. I've been telling this story a lot. It's a hilarious, hilarious story. But do you know the artist, Danny Lay? Danny Lay. I don't know if I know. Okay. She's yeah. she's awesome. Okay. Um, but I follow her. I think my wife put me on to her. Okay. But I follow her. And during March Madness of 2020 when everything had just really shut down gyms are shut down we can't go do anything um and everybody's in a really kind of like hmm what's gonna happen phase Mm -hmm. danny lay is releasing a song and she's in her instagram profile uh in in her instagram stories she does a march madness style bracket okay for people to dance and shake their ass essentially to this song it's like an ass shaking song no like, way that is what the song yeah yeah is about or not not about but like she's got people dancing and submitting their videos and then she puts them in a bracket head to head and then they move on <laughs> and and so like i've been familiar with, with sports course. tournaments and march madness forever and all of that but yeah. like seeing her do it in the instagram stories yeah was like oh shit this is kind of sick what if we did this with the free running competition Totally. and what if we did it once a month like <clears throat> as a fan of our sport and also as um an athlete who has competed in the sport i'm very aware that you can't watch our sport for more than like a week at a time yeah. as a fan like consistently right because totally. there's Yes, Red Bull Automotion is going on right now. So, that week before and that week after, content and around the world, like the things that athletes are doing become super relevant and we're all focused in on it. Yeah, yeah. But then it goes away until the next event. And it's not like we really have a season yet. Um, There's not just a consistent way to be a fan. Yeah. And so, I was like, if we did this every month though, that means one full week out of every month people are dedicated to paying attention to our sport. And that to me was like, oh, that's kind of exciting, right? Because yeah. now we can watch competition. I mean, it's not live competition. It's not a produced event. But we can watch competition happening literally every month and for at least a week. But it actually was more like 10 days because the onlines take like 10 to 12 days for us sometimes. Yeah. So the commitment immediately went like, okay, let's try this bracket style. Um, wow. and that's how it kind of turned into the online to the Tempest onlines. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And then all the dudes in, in, in the Tempest media house, they all, they all like geeked on it and they started like branding the onlines and like our graphic designer, Jake, I saw him like just he's working on branding for the online. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this shit is sick. People are excited about this. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm like walking in some days and, uh, people are talking about like, oh, this head to head between this person and this person. I'm like, yeah, this is fucking cool. Yeah. Um, it just finally felt like, oh, this is this is at least a consistent way for us to be paying attention to the sport. Obviously, there's a lot of other people doing things and nothing against those, but this was a way to continue watching it, um, both as a competitor and as a fan. And, uh, yeah, so the Onlines was born. Crazy. And so what, what did you guys start with the cash prizes on Onlines? So Onlines started at, well, the first month, before it was the onlines, it started as a $250 cash prize, okay. just one person. Um, and then after that month, we, quick, we, we quickly realized we needed a female division. Um, and uh, Yannick Varnell yes. Hill, who you've, yes. you've had on here, um, he's one of my best friends since college. Like, we've been tight. Um, he was putting out the free run parkour song. Yes. And he was like, yo, can I be your first sponsor for the onlines? Um, maybe it'll trigger other brands to see maybe you can use this experience and and whatever comes out of that to get other brands on board. Totally. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Yes. Um, so he helped us essentially double our prize money at the same time. He helped us double our prize money. He kind of forced us committed you to, yeah, because then, (laughs) so we do that and it works and it's successful and it's awesome. And now we have two divisions. Um, and, yeah we get we get a ton of submissions still and uh and then i'm like oh wait but that means now we got to give away that much every month yeah um and so it eventually got to we were giving away a thousand dollars a month wow um 500 to each winner um but two full brackets of 32 um and it's gone up and down you can start seeing the seasonality of the sport especially like globally totally um when people can't get outside, we yeah, get way less submissions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um,
0: but, uh, but dude, for the most part, that once we got there, it was like, okay, this is a commitment. And we did it for two years oh, wow. um, and just committed. And it was probably the only thing that, you know, outside of running our, our facilities on the business side of things, like probably one of the only things we've ever committed to that consistently yeah, long term um, and, and, <laughs> and stuck with and, Kudos to the media house because they had to deal with that shit. Like yeah. running
1: the online is gnarly. Dude, super um, gnarly, bro. <laughs> I was watching. I'm like, I wouldn't yeah. want to be in charge of this. Honestly. And to
0: do it every month yeah. was like, I mean, we're spending three weeks out of the month making sure we're either finishing, uh, wrapping up the last one or prepping for the next one. Yeah. So it became, it became heavy. crazy. Um, so after... Towards the end of 2020, we're all thinking, yeah, things are going to open up maybe. Um, let's do Kings of the Concrete. Let's make it uh, a live ending to the online. Yeah. And uh, winners of the online will get an invite. Um, and that's when we started first probably like tying together these two things. Okay. Um, and then we went back into, I don't know, at that point, I think second wave, shut down, and uh, especially here in California, it was like, okay, we're – not doing a live event mm-hmm. um because we can't pour everything into it with the chance that it gets shut down like we're not balling like that yeah yeah um and so we scrapped it and just kept with the onlines and then uh and then finally at the end of last year we realized like okay we've got to do it and um so for the past two years we've been shopping I mean, dude, I we have people like just hunting for sponsors to either partner with athletes mm-hmm. or to partner with us on the online or uh, to partner with our production house or hire our production house out um, to make content. and And those relationships that we've been building with brands over the years have been, one, really telling as far as what they're interested in, but also... Um, helped us realize, like, oh, they're all ready for a live event. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. They're telling us, like, oh, well, what are you doing live? Like, online's dope. What are you doing live? And um, so we started saying, like, dude, maybe it's time. Is it going to be, can we commit to KOTC live and not have to back away from it because of a shutdown? Yeah. And it started feeling like the answer is yes. And so we committed to starting to discuss with sponsors that. Um, and yeah, so then it was like, Okay, fully committed to doing it we're gonna do it this year but still afraid to put down a date don't want to make any real commitments yeah. because we don't have the budget for it um and then sponsors started saying like oh well we're in but we need a date when of are you gonna do it we need <laughs> a location and and at the same time it, it became a double-edged sword right like they want a date and a location and times and all of that and we want money to be able to do it, so I'm so like, I don't want to give you a date because I don't have any money to do it yet. Yeah, yeah. And if I commit to a date and then you don't jump on board, then we eat it. Yeah, you're stranded. And and um, and then it got to the point where enough sponsors were like, yeah, we need dates. Like for this conversation to go forward, <laughs> we need dates." I was like, "Okay, April ninth." And as soon as I said it, I knew what I did. I knew it. Yeah. Fully committed at that point. Yeah. And and I knew we didn't have we didn't have the kind of sponsor relationships that were gonna come in and hey, we'll title sponsor this and we're gonna run uh we're gonna help run the event and we're gonna bring in Boo Goo Bucks. Yeah. Like it, I knew it. I knew it. And uh but I'm glad we did it because it it forced us to commit um and make it happen. And as it starts developing and becoming real, sponsors slowly start creeping on board and uh and then we I just was like it's going to cost what? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, it just it just became okay, we committed, we're doing it. Like we can't
1: back down from doing it. Um so yeah, that's kind of like the birth of so the real event what is the goal now that you have filmed it i guess you know like we didn't no athlete was allowed to post anything online no runs were leaked yet which is amazing that everyone stayed true to it dude i
0: i, I gotta say real quick i'm blown away by that yeah me um, too dog we weren't <laughs> we didn't police it like we had a lot of discussions leading up to this event about are we going to let people film? Are we going to police it? Are we going to ask people to put their phones at the door? I mean, there's yeah. there's dope concerts that happen um, where that's the case. Yeah, or yeah. they put them in those bags now at like comedy shows. Yeah. Know, yeah. Um, and, and people actually really enjoy that experience of being somewhere where like nothing else takes away their attention from the moment. Yeah, totally. Um, and so there's conversations of like, how heavy are we going to police it? who's allowed, who are we not going to allow? Uh athletes had cameramen with them and like um it it was it was a heavy discussion and we finally were like, you know what? Look, if people support this, hopefully they'll play they'll play ball totally. and, you know, if a couple things get out, hopefully it doesn't, you know, ruin what we're trying to do with the content. Um and dude, I am blown away. Yeah, it's been good. That, that people are like <laughs> playing that game with us. Um everybody involved had a blast and, and really felt like they see something here. And, and so I hope that that's what that means is like, there's a support going into whatever we do next. Yeah. And uh, so to answer what we're doing next is um, we're currently doing a sizzle reel. Okay. Um, I've gotten to talk to ESPN plus. I've got some uh, possible connections at like Peacock TV. Yeah. Um, I'm just talking to a bunch of different possible s- streaming partners because I think there could be something really dope about getting this content out uh, to eyes beyond our community, yeah. but where the community can still get a hold of it and watch. Yeah. Um, I, it, to me, it, it, it was such a dope experience. It deserves, like, some curation, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was the original goal. Like, it was never, you said this as a host. You said, hey, guys. Um, and, and I appreciate it, because I would never tell people this, but coming from somebody who's <laughs> yeah. not, like, Tempest, it was really appreciated, but yeah. like I think you told people, uh, you said, "Hey guys, I want you all to realize like you're lucky to be here because this was never supposed to even be a totally. live event," and um, and and that's really the truth. Like that, that, we have to keep coming back to is the end goal was always to curate something that um, hopefully will bring us enough revenue to do this again. Yeah, yeah, and and also get put out where it it can get eyes beyond you know our YouTube views. Um and so that's that's kind of where we're at and we'll eventually be editing it into like a docu series. Yes. Um that I think will be super exciting and fun to watch and tell all kinds of backstory and probably hints of drama and, and things that yeah. just happened cuz that's the way it went down.
1: Yeah, I can't I, I selfishly can't wait for people to see it just because honestly not to spoil it or give it away but some of the things that were thrown down were just out of this world like it was some of the best runs i've ever seen i think the coolest thing about the format was you know sticking to what you guys had done throughout the duration of it which is just trying to have people throw bangers you know and people threw down some insane tricks
0: dude it was dope and i was really blown away by like how professional these athletes approached this format of competition totally right because i i come from an era of competition where like most athletes were just planning one run Yes. You know, and <laughs> if you got to the next round, you were either adding a different move to that same run totally. to make it a better run, yeah. or you're freestyling it and it usually didn't turn you out. You can well. tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't think we, uh, as Tempest, I don't think we ever tried to approach competing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has evolved. Because of onlines, in a way where these lines that people are putting together, they're fifteen seconds, but they're like, dude, they're packing in more in fifteen seconds than I was able to pack in in a forty-five minute or a minute long run back yeah. in the day, and uh, and they're clean, they're connected, they're like stylish, they got bangers in them, like yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Then seeing people in this format prepare three to four lines yeah. that aren't the same lines and that are super clean and
1: concise and have like heavy hitting moves in them. That was dope. So, so dope. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes even an art emotion, like when I've watched firsthand because they have to get to a certain ending point, you almost like feel people forcing moves or like trying to add flow for the sake of adding flow. You know what I'm saying? And you can tell when it's like, that's not that guy's style. He doesn't normally do movements like that, but he's just doing it to fill the time and the gaps, you know? So,
0: yeah, no, I, I, I really, really appreciated the athletes. Um, taking into consideration the same the same way that we didn't tell people like you know this happens if you film like we didn't want to police that yeah we also didn't police the length of lines yeah i know we wanted to we had conversations about that too like do we police um exactly how long do we have a buzzer that that hits that gives them like a five second warning so they know like they're about to get to the end of that And we decided uh, ultimately that no, we're not going to police that, but we are going to ask them to respect like a 15 to max 25 second line, um, because we think that's what's best for this style of competition, and that will keep them from getting into like the sloppiness or or the fatigue that we commonly see in our sport. Totally. And uh, dude, they all did it. I mean, (laughs) didn't have. I don't remember one run happening where I was like, "Oh, you went way too long." Totally. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was on point. Yeah. So. Super surprised at the entire event. Like, I, I kept telling people coming into it, this is an experiment. Not saying this is going to be the best way to compete. Not saying this is the new way to compete. That we don't want to carry that bag going into this. Yeah, yeah. But what we do want to say is, like, hey, we're going to try something that we think is cool and that fits, like, who Tempest is and um, matches kind of what we've already been doing with the onlines. And uh, and I think in that aspect, it was it was awesome, dude. I Hell couldn't yeah. have gone better for a first event.
1: I, fingers crossed that uh, we get to see some sort of release date later on this year or, or sometime, sometime in the near future. Because, yeah, I just hope people get the chance to see the format and see what the athletes did. So,
0: Dude, I'll tell you, I've never believed in something we've done more. Sick. And saying that means I'm not going to let it not come out. And I'm not going to we're (laughs) not going to play the game of like, yeah, oh, yeah, let's let's come up with a deal that that puts this out five years from now. Like, I don't we don't want that. Like we are hustling. And if somebody doesn't come on board quick, um, then we're editing this ourselves and it comes out the way we want it to. So, yeah, dude, we're we're all stoked. The team is stoked. Um, I was talking to Yannick yesterday about this, but at, at the end of this whole event, it was dope to sit around and like. I I see you in a place where you are, where you want to be in the moment. I see 15 filmmakers that are covering this event all look like they're doing a job that they love doing and want to be doing. I see athletes that are all super stoked, whether they did bad or good and and loving where they're at in the moment. I see an audience of people that like has, you know, 50% of that audience does not consistently follow our sport. And and I see them all there, like, in love with what is happening. And to me, that was like, ah, oh, this is special. That, uh, if for nobody else, this is special for yeah, me, totally. you Yeah, know? <laughs> totally.
1: And for anyone that doesn't really, like, know your backstory, which we'll get into, like, the history of how you got into the sport and stuff, but uh, for a lot of the newer gen guys, a lot of them probably aren't aware that – You as a competitor yourself competed at tons of different competitions, most notably the one that I remember the most is obviously 2008 Barclay card, uh, world champion over here. Um, And it's just crazy to see the evolution of competitions, because even at that one, they had like pads on the course at one point, even the format of it, you know, was just a little different, you know, Uh, guys would like set for a move, do it, kind of walk around, get set for the next move. Uh, And so to see the evolution like 15, 14 years later is just crazy,
0: man. Dude, it is so different. And and like so I when I was competing um one of the things that I always needed to do was like put my bangers up front yeah. in a line. I, I want to do the riskiest thing in in the first few moves. Yeah. And and not because it necessarily scared me, but I needed to be amped that like I'm I'm doing the right thing right now and I am doing my best. Um and I didn't want to save that for for some other time and that was that was a very different way of competing than a lot of people would approach it yeah um but yeah it was like it was like yo pump me up okay (laughs) do a move (laughs) yo pump me up do a move and it's because it was like we were finding ourselves we were finding the movement we were finding our styles and and there was still connections and there was some like cool moments that that provided like an insight into what The sport would look like today yeah yeah um but so different i mean you have 45 seconds like we were dude we were hiring track coaches so that we could (laughs) we could be able to be in shape to do a line that totally um you know we yeah it was it was just a different world and, and we were trying to help figure out what a competition run looked like and uh and it was interesting back then you know it was also like it's kind of taboo to want to win a competition yes it was and And, and, was almost taboo to enter them, even like it was very taboo to enter them, especially in the beginning but then 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 it was like okay maybe competition is accepted but wanting to win at a competition that's like weird and selfish and like it always tripped me out because i come from sports like my background is sports i've been playing traditional and um, non-traditional sports my entire life, and I my competitive drive is probably one of my favorite things about myself. Yeah, yeah. And I don't ever use that in a way that's disrespectful to other people. But I think there's this weird taboo that was that was being attached to wanting to compete to win. Um, but to us, it was like, no, we want to go out and do our best. That's like you're competing to do your best and to put yourself in a situation that is. Um, High, highly pressurized and is um, going to test your full capabilities like when it matters right it's like it's like when somebody says action on set like yeah it's go time yeah yeah yeah. that's a test um don't fail that test yeah, you know yeah totally and, and and that was what competition was for us and we loved it and we wanted to be loud about loving it and uh and so to watch it evolve from you know no competitiveness to uh, it's okay to compete, but don't make it known that you want to be like yeah. a winner. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, to now, like this was, dude, this was cutthroat, and it was one of my favorite things about it. Like, yeah. um, it, it, dude, you could fly from somewhere around the world, come to this competition, do a fifteen-second line, and be done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't
0: make it to round 2, you're, you're out. Yeah, yeah. And and uh at first I was like, ooh, that's scarier. People going to be okay with that in <laughs> our sport cuz we don't have a lot of that yet. Totally. Uh, even though that happens all the time in sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, teams fly across the globe doing that. Uh athletes in the Olympics fly around the world doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. And you're out in one heat, like yeah. instantly gone. So I think we were a little Worried that maybe that couldn't be accepted or that, you know, and and I'm glad we just stuck with it and did it because I think the value of being a part of the entire event, the value of all the things that happened before and after the event and the community side of things that like stuff we didn't even publicize, but that just came to fruition. Yeah, That stuff was like valuable enough to show up. Right. Yeah. And and that's why people would go to Santorini for an uh, an on-site qualifier. Yeah. That's why that's why people want to go to jams. They want to be around that. And uh, so, yeah, in hindsight, it, it couldn't have gone better. Just stoked on that.
1: So I got to ask you, when you won in 2008, what were your expectations going into that competition? Did you think that you had a chance to win?
0: Yeah, let's say this in a way that, I mean, people could perceive as cocky. I don't really give a fuck. But, like, I don't compete at something I don't think I can win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's the point? Yeah. Um, And it's not because winning is the point, but, like, trying to win and trying to be my best is the point. Totally. And so, like, I don't – I've never liked the idea of, like, I'm going, but I'm not going to try to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine, but that's what jams are for. That's what community events are for. That's why we go train together outside. That's why we uh, go do all kinds of other, like, culturally relevant things in our sport and in this movement. Um, but for me, competing is competing. It's, it's like winning a foot race. Like it's fun. I want to try to win it. Yeah, yeah. Um and so yes, um, but I don't think I've ever gone into something thinking that I will win. That's like a confidence that I've never reached, right? Like yeah, yeah. you see some people and you're like, damn, how did you reach that yeah, level of totally. like you're so sure of yourself? How are you so sure? I envy that in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely went in knowing that it was possible. Um, and hoping that I could do
1: some things that were going to be unique and and uh, help me do that,
0: but yeah, so n- didn't know.
1: I've always wanted to ask, did you practice that 360 precision on the bars beforehand or did you just throw it in the comp for the first time?
0: I honestly don't remember. I don't think I had practiced it there. Um, I want to say that I had just gotten to a point that I was comfortable enough to throw a three a three sixty precision anywhere, and just at least know like I can save myself. Not gonna die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I and I think that's what happened. Right, I, I did one and it, like didn't like it, and did he another one back. and and uh, didn't like it either. But it, at that time, like doing a three sixty precision to another rail and and Unheard of. and. and landing on your feet back down on the ground, that was a success. Totally. Yeah, and yeah, later yeah. in my life, I looked at it as like, dude, you, that looks so sloppy. Like, you didn't even stick your landing <laughs> yeah. on the rail. Like you couldn't <laughs> even stay on there. Like, but back then that wasn't being done. No, no, not um, at all. Not at all. Dude. And lately, actually, I've been watching these 360 precisions that people are doing. Like uh, Homeboy just did one on the IMAX. IMAX. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> like, Whoa. Who else did? You? Oh, Jared Ludy just did one yesterday or yeah. posted one. I think yesterday that I was like. It's so sick. Like, that That was always, like, my favorite move. Totally. Um,
1: And, uh, yeah, it's it's so sick to see the evolution of, like, single moves like that over time, too. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I have just always was curious about that, like, what your intentions were if you got to practice it beforehand because people were shocked when you threw it. Like, honestly, that's probably what made you stand out more than any of the other moves in the run, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Was Was that one singular trick, so.
0: Yeah, I think it was just one of those things that, like, for me, didn't feel like it was that crazy to do. Um, definitely scary, especially. I think those were like eight feet apart. And, yeah, it was a solid. And, uh, job. It, it was. It was the distance, but um, but also it was just like one of those things that I felt like, oh yeah, this is fun and. The way that some people could do a Kong Gainer. And back then I was like, Kong Gainer, ooh, that, ooh, that's yeah. nasty. Like, <laughs> totally. Um, and, and that's why, that's the way I felt about 360s. And yeah. there wasn't a lot of other people focusing on that. And yeah. so maybe that's what made it, you know, seem unique.
1: Hell yeah. So how did you first get introduced to this sport? I know you started, like you said, doing a lot of traditional sports growing up. I even know that at one point you had like a sport karate background too, which I feel like a lot of people don't know about
0: yeah dude my life in sports is wild (laughs) literally like soccer growing up all the way to like uh, middle school and then basketball and football didn't like football wasn't into that so then basketball and fell in love with basketball all the way through high school Um, and then got into some trouble in high school and had to I was was asked to leave the team and that's when I was like I fell in love with breakdancing Ah, And at the same time I fell in love with break dancing. My parents didn't want me doing that because that's hip hop and that's a little scary and it's edgy. And that world requires you to like go to nightclubs and have dance battles. And so instead they were like martial arts and they, and they put me in a a karate class. Um, And immediately I started shining in that class and my instructor took a liking to me. um, And I very quickly was able to realize like, Oh, I can put like all of my love for like, dancing and acrobatics into a martial arts scenario yeah so like i very early on pushed away from the traditional side of martial arts yeah. um and learning like technical form and went way over to like the creative side that was at that time like barely developing into a tricking super movement. new yeah yeah and um and so yeah i was doing that and then fighting i loved fighting and, the, and my instructors were they were dope and in my city in el paso texas um i was able to to compete at super high levels, um, even as a white belt. They, ah, would, they would throw me in. I remember sick. when I was a white belt, they took me to Mexico, to Juarez, Mexico, to a tournament. And uh, they put a black belt on me, <laughs> one of their black belts on me. And they sent me in there, and they were like, go ahead. And, and I remember doing really well. I don't think I won that tournament, but I was competing with black belts. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is sick. So I fell in love with fighting, and I fell in love with tricking. And uh, I spent a whole lot of time doing that. I mean, all the way through college, I was, I was really, really into that. And I was traveling on like the NBL circuit. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I was coaching a lot of younger kids specifically on the tricking side. Okay. Um, while they were doing like the more technical side of forms with somebody else, with my instructor, um, and, uh, just, yeah, the love for that ability to bring something unique or different to, uh, a traditional thing like karate, like yeah, yeah. TKD, um, I was, I was, um, I was just into it and it was taking me around the world. It wasn't making me money yet, but it was taking me around the world. Like, you know, they were taking me as a coach to competitions and yeah. then I could also compete while there. And I just started like falling in love with the creative side of that movement. So tricking became like, oh, this is, this is a new thing. Yeah. And I almost like eventually just left the martial arts side of things behind and, and, <laughs> and really spent time on tricking hundred um, percent. And then at the same time as that, uh, I, I think it was 2001, um, Jump London came out. Yes. And I'm in college, uh, my first year of college, not living with my parents anymore, uh, on a campus in a dorm with homies, where Fight Club had Fight Club was pretty fresh in everybody's mind. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, dude, I, my, my regiment in college with homies was dope. So, like, we go to class during the day. I've always been decent at, like, liking school and and. and attending um but as soon as school was out it was like okay we're gonna go play intramural basketball mm. and then when it gets to evening time we're gonna go have a break dance session okay and then when it gets to night time on a couple days out of the week we're gonna go free run which back then meant just wildly jump off of shit that's way too high <laughs> way too and high. way too sketchy and climb buildings that we probably shouldn't be on and then other nights we would hold a fight club no way yeah and so like i brought all of my point sparring gear yeah and uh another homie of mine his name is isaac nanez he's we called him beast he was a badass fighter um and came up in el paso um, as a martial artist too but from a different school and uh he was in college with me so we would take all of our sparring gear and we'd bring it out um into like this quad area and we would just have fight clubs with all of our homies and everybody would put the shit on and just go at it crazy um and it, yeah, it was so much fun. And so like every night of the week, we were doing that. And then we and then we'd do like uh, open gym sessions. And so I was watching like Team Rayoku. Yes. And uh, and that night I was tricking. And We'd be like chugging a red line. Do you remember? Yeah, the, the of Energy course, drink. The old line? school red lines, dude. Yes. And that's when I think they were probably not approved to be doing no, what they not, were doing. No. <laughs> but we'd be like juiced up on this on this energy drink, and we'd just go all night and just train hard. Crazy. Um, and so like my whole college experience was based on like that mix of uh still hanging on to my love for basketball yeah but that was during the daytime and then at nighttime all that creative movement exploration crazy so yeah and 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 then i kind of could never look back once once i did parkour um i I i was like this is the most free i've ever been I can, wait, I can decide all of it. I can even decide what move to learn and I can, I can make up a move. It's that young. Like, okay, sick. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was all of that, that kind of uh, helped me want to become a stuntman because I went to college for criminal justice and uh, I just didn't want to follow that path. By the time I graduated, I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Um, So it was like, oh shit. Is there is there a way to become a Jackie Chan like right and uh, Looked into stunts and then
1: made the move to LA Oh, Crazy, and so did you know anyone out here or how did you make that leap? Did you just blind leap of faith? Oh, dude, I went to a stunt school.
0: No way. Yeah, I went to this stunt school. I remember Um, It was in Seattle, Washington. Yes, that one still exists. Yeah, 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 Um, and uh, I didn't know if it was even like a viable option. Yeah, I didn't have any contact um, there was a couple stunt people who had come out of El Paso mm-hmm. and I had tried to like pick their brains, but I mean, now, you know, as a successful coordinator and stuntman, man, like if somebody random hits you up and like, Hey, I want to be a stuntman," man. And you're, you're kind of like, yes, I know you do. Yeah. Um, it's I a lot a, to do. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of steps. This is not like a five minute phone call. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Totally. Like, you know, like you go to work. And, and let's stay in touch and, and we can, yeah. we can help develop maybe where, where you should be focusing your energy. But like, you know, back then it, it was pretty much, I was met with like, yeah, push for it. You can do it. And, and it, there was no like real, real guidance. Yeah. So, yeah, of course. um, so dude, I, my parents had just bought me a car for a graduation gift. Okay. Sold that shit. And I used it for the money to go to stone school.
1: <laughs> no way.
0: And to come out to LA. Okay. Um, yeah, so went to stunt school, tried all the things. Um, it was awesome to experience everything, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm a stuntman now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, it was more like I got to test everything out, uh, you know, amongst a class of 42 people or something like totally. that. I realized like, oh, I do have something special. Um, this is something that I am good at. And uh, so immediately as I was leaving there, I was like, I went into networking mode. Yeah. Um, Kind of just accidentally because I was... It was such like a desirable career at that point. Totally. Like, how do I do this? Where do I go? What do I do? And, uh, heard a lot of things. And one of the things I heard was gymnastics Olympica in LA is where a lot of stunt people train. And I was like, Oh cool. Guess what I've been doing at home in El Paso making $10,000 a year. Yeah. I've been training either trickers or gymnasts. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and as, as a backyard gymnast, not with traditional experience, there was a lot of gymnasts, um, especially kids in El Paso that were like hitting me up to coach them. Um, or I was coaching at like little weekend gymnastics classes and stuff. And, um, in doing that, I was also learning a lot, a lot of technical, uh, skill. And I was, I was like, yeah, I can, I can probably get a job at this gymnastics gym. So I hit them up I was like, Hey, I'm moving there. Um, are you hiring? They were like, yep. Great. Like, got a job at the place that I knew all the stunt people were at. So, um, and it was kind of my first hustle, right? Okay. It was my first, like, oh, that was a really smart move, Gabe. Yeah, like, yeah. So, all of a sudden, I'm in this space and I'm working at the end of the day. There's open gym, yeah. and here comes Rich King, and here comes Vic Lopez, and here comes Paul Darnell, and wow. here comes, like, uh, I mean, there was a ton of people. McKay Stewart was in there. Yeah, there was yeah. like,
1: uh, I, th- I think Tim Ulick. Uh, was there and like it was this, the only place back in the day besides Valley really like yeah, yeah
0: so and so we would bounce from there to um Valley College yeah and uh it's kind of where I met everybody I think I met Latif there yeah. or, or at Valley College and, and and all of a sudden I was in the same space as all these people that were either really hustling to get into the business or already in the business yeah and um and so I just train, Crazy. train with everybody there and and it, it was awesome. It was like, oh, this is the perfect job because I, I get to do both of those things. I get to make a living in L.A. and um, kind of support my dream um, along with my wife. It wasn't my wife then, but she was working. Um, yeah, I, I can get into that story. Different. She Actually, she wasn't working is the reason I say that. So I sold everything, brought us to L.A., and then I worked for a while. And as okay. soon as my career started, like, getting hints of, like, oh, I got to quit this gymnastics gym because yeah. I'm going to drop the ball on them, then she started working and she kind of took over. Wow. And, like, so we've we've done this, like, hey, you take care of everything, I take care of everything. And I think that strengthens something with us. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that was kind of, like, the intro into my career in stunts. It, it all came from, like, hearing that gymnastics Olympics where they're training, going, meeting people, and then – and then, you know, linking with the homies, all of yeah. a sudden, me, Vic, Paul, Rich, we're training together and they get invited to
1: do the Taurus World Stun Awards. Yes. The, the famous live show that set it off basically. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the birth. Wow. So what year did you move out to Los Angeles? And then what year was the January World
0: January 1st, 2007. Wow. I moved to LA and that was my first day of work. No like way. I literally started that day. Crazy. Yeah.
1: And then when was the Taurus World Sun Awards and is that when you were asked to technically be a part of Tempest yeah, or it was, in, was it not a thing yet?
0: It was in 2007. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I don't remember exactly when, but it was in 2007. Um, and I believe that was the last live show. Yes. Um, Tor- Taurus Awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we've, it was interesting because I'm so bad at remembering these kind of details, man, but like, <laughs> um, I'm sure somebody can correct whatever I mistakenly don't recall, but um, we, they formulated Tempest for this show. Oh, wow. Right? Like, I mean, I think it was already being formulated, but the show came, and all of a sudden it was like, well, bring in more people. So, like, Zen came in, I came in, um, Frosty, um, forgive me if I'm forgetting anybody, but So we come in to do this live performance as Tempest in front of anybody who could potentially hire us for the rest of our careers. And doing something that nobody else in the business was doing yet. Because parkour wasn't a skill that stunt people had. It wasn't common yet at all. And so 007 had just come out. Sebastian Foucault killed it. Everybody's like, I want that in my movie or commercial. And in Hollywood, there was no that. um, Until they found this new thing called tempest yes and uh and so it was sick dude the rock the rock announces is like the intro. tempest yeah and it was like dream come true right uh, we all do this performance in front of everybody that could ever potentially hire us yeah. start building relationships and like at that point we were out of here um and that was really cool because it, it just kind of all aligned with what i had already been screwing around doing totally. i just so happened to come to la at a time when like that skill is what These other people are also training and we all kind of fell in love with it in the same way of like, hey, yes, let's, let's, uh, let's hone this skill to become better stunt performers. Mm -hmm. Let's also see if we can become pro athletes because this is young. and This could go somewhere. Totally. We could be a part of an industry that, that grows and. And uh I think that was really appealing for all of us who probably had like athletic dreams. Yeah. Right. I wasn't yeah. making it to the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> so it was like, oh, you get to be a pro athlete and maybe you can help develop this thing and Great. and um yeah, that's where it went. Definitely I right walk. place at the right time. Like dude, so many right things happened. Like yeah. I don't I never try to take credit for shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like it was cool, like, you know, there's the saying of of like being ready, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it, it just it happened well and so what was your
1: first stunt job do you remember
0: dude uh aside from the stunt awards yeah. that was actually my first stunt job oh wow no way um,
1: okay yeah
0: crazy oh yeah i think that was my first stunt job and then um god i'm so bad at this Was it zohan or did zohan you do was my stuff? first like official like feature film um that was SAG. Okay, okay. Um, I did Ben 10. Oh, okay. With Al Goto. <laughs> yeah, totally. Before Zohan. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, Scott Rogers brought me on to Zohan, and at the same time, Andy Chang brought me on, uh, for this Mountain Dew commercial. Okay. And Tempest was able to like rally a bunch of people and train them in parkour, and we did like all kinds of crazy, um, parkour over cars and down fire escapes totally. and onto buses and stuff, and it was awesome. Um, so I, I had those experiences, but Zohan, my first stunt job was Zohan uh, in the day, and then the Mountain Dew film at night. It was like it was oh, a back to back, a double, crazy. a double dip, crazy. Yeah, yeah and yeah. both of them were willing to give me my sad card, and it was like such an awesome introduction, like to the industry, totally, uh, from two really good dudes. So, uh, yeah, Zohan ended up being like the first. Feature film and then uh, I got to do a lot on that.
1: So yeah, it was cool kicked it off crazy, man And so in these early days of like Tempest when you guys are obviously just setting things off uh, One of the most influential videos to this day in my opinion was I free run LA Um, Who came up with the concept to like finally put out a video to showcase the team in that type of format? How long did it take you guys?
0: Dude, I don't know I'm assuming Paul probably came up with that with that process or with that concept. Okay. Um, but I think the filming of that video took like, I feel like it took like a year Wow! because we were all starting to like get our feet wet and stunts. I think Rich was already in and maybe even Vic was, but like it was almost like weekend warrior stuff, like train something, figure it out what you want to bring to the table, what you want to do moon, like yeah. as a new move, and get it um, on a film suit. And then, and then <laughs> let's go out this weekend and let's go capture it. And yeah. like, if you don't have it ready, then let's move that to a different time. And I mean, there was unsuccessful attempts. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see the footage if there is any, but like, I remember trying my first cork outside in downtown LA and being scared shitless to do it off of like a two and a half. Foot wall. <laughs> Bro. So yeah. scared. Like, totally, So scared. <laughs> totally. Um, I remember trying my first Kong gainer outside. I had them locked in the gym yeah. and I went to try it outside and I was like, Nope, this is, <laughs> this is scary. <laughs> this is, um, yeah. cause I couldn't find the right exact spot, you yeah. know, the and perfect like, drop the perfect. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, and back then the technique was not refined. Yeah. Right? Like if you yeah. see Kong gainers now, you're like, Oh, these dudes all have that down. They're doing them up things
1: yeah. off level. Height, oh, like dude, this. it's crazy.
0: It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Um, But for us, I think we were just winging it, like exploring that. And like, you know, you saw something that was dope like that. And you're like, how do I do that? Um, Let me try it a bunch in the gym and let's see if I'm ready outside. Yeah. So there was a lot of unsuccessful days that we'd go out and like, yep, not for me today, guys. Who else has something? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think we, I think it felt like it took about a year to put that whole thing together. Um, But it was awesome because it was like super skate inspired. Yeah. Um, It was like, let's all go out there and be loud with our own style. Yeah like uh and still try to come off looking
1: like a team totally um but yeah dope. S- super dope influential video man like I, I mean back in the days when that came out it was honestly one of the most pivotal videos as far as like showcasing a team like we had had three run in the past you know like some Yamakazi stuff and things like that but you guys really like showcased a uh, a culture like for lack of a better term and like a friendship. Cause a lot of other videos didn't showcase like personalities, you know what I'm saying? Like you guys like interacting towards the camera, you know, Victor saying like, bam and all this stuff, you know, it really just like set things off in a different way. And of course being a team from LA, it just seemed like, Oh, these, these are like the new eight guys, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it was, it was fun to explore that. Cause I think we are all trying to find ourselves and, uh, and, and really try to like allow ourselves the fullest expression. Um, and and also like have a personality right like yeah. we 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 wanted to um be loud about our love for coming up with new shit um we wanted to make i mean it's laughable now but like we were trying to make names for moves that like they were totally. hilarious i mean we were calling things kumquat yeah. and we were I, I mean uh sunny side sunny up yeah um <laughs> the italian job like yes. dude it had sick names that were just fun dude and they were fun and we all had our own nicknames and it was you know showtime and diddy and Jaywalker. Uh, like having all of those things made this fun yeah it made it feel like um we were building something um and, and, it, and we were, I think at times we didn't know what we were building, but I think there was always an idea of what we wanted to build. Yeah. You know, very early on, we looked at element skateboarding. Yeah, um, yeah. And I remember at one point we bought everybody an element skateboarding shirt just to say like, yeah, we're going to have one of these, wow. you know? And, uh, and then we eventually at competitions started being received in really interesting ways. I remember one time in, in, uh, Sweden in Airwhip, when we first put out the prayer hands, yes, um, or the prayer feet shirt. Um, I I have pictures of like everybody, Ryan Doyle, Pasha, uh, Tim Sheaf, everybody's rocking that shirt. Yep, yep. In, in Sweden. And it was like, dude, this is so sick. Like we're we're building something, it's fun, and it does feel like it culturally matters to care about more than just the movement. yeah. Like, yeah. who are these people? How do they connect with each other? Um and uh and, yeah, I think that was probably around the time when we started doing, like, Tempest TV and,
1: yes, and yes. all of that. And
0: so, yeah, it, it was, dude, those times are, like, priceless. They're so cool to be a
1: part of. I, I've heard the urban legend, but maybe you could break it down. How did you officially get the name Jay Walker? <laughs> I, I don't remember when it was
0: in the relationship with um, the other founders, but we were in Pasadena. Okay. And I was crossing the street. Yeah. And as a kid from El Paso, like... It's not that big of a deal. You cross the street, if there's no cars coming, like nobody's going to mess with you. And I remember crossing the street um, during a night out and a cop on a motorcycle sees me and like turns around and comes and gives me a ticket for jaywalking. You actually got a ticket. I actually got a ticket <laughs> for jaywalking. I don't know anyone that's and ever I got a ticket. I was blown away because it was <laughs> like an aggressive, like you did something wrong ticket. And, you know, after the fact, everybody's laughing. And of course. Yeah. I, I wish I remembered like, how the development of the name came, but that's where it came from. Okay.
1: Yeah. Crazy. I don't know anyone that's ever gotten an actual ticket for jaywalking. I don't either. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't either. And and
0: I I still to this day I was like, wow, (laughs) that's an interesting one. And especially for like, I don't know, you you live in LA and you're like, yo, if a cop has time to turn around for that, like what is going on that like isn't getting the attention it needs, you know? Yeah. Um so it was just yeah, it was just a hilarious experience. And all of our nicknames came from uh, silly
1: shit we did for the most part Yeah And so at what point do you guys decide to open Tempest Academy it was
0: Way later um, 2010 We make that decision And 2010 We're all making money now We've all had a good kickoff To a career in stunts yeah. um, But none of us For the most part can peel away from the fact That like we this sport and want to build in it and we want to continue building this brand that we've that we've got um and so we pool our money together like 25 grand each yeah and we say let's get this spot and, and back then the the rent was pretty cheap and affordable for that and uh i think we signed a pretty short lease because we were scared yeah of course and uh <clears throat> put our money in and we hooked up with nate wessel who had uh He's, he's built a ton of our stuff, um, but he's an ex-games designer and he's built Woodward's and just one of the baddest builders on the planet. And and we linked up with him because he had worked with uh, Mike Escamilla and yes. Vic Lopez on uh, Mall Cop, the first Mall Oh, Cop. yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. okay. And so we have a connect to this dude all of a sudden and it's like, yo, we want to build this. And he's like, yep, I'm on board. Sounds sick. Not been done yet. Yeah. Um, and so... We get them out to L.A. and uh, we build and we built the place in like seven days, dude. No like, way. Yeah. I mean, not we didn't finish it in seven yeah, days, but yeah. like the build yeah, of yeah. the obstacles was like, it was crazy. That's Everybody wild. was inspired, hands on deck, just boom, build it. Um, and then use our resources in the, in the film world to say like, hey, we don't want this to look like wood. Yeah. Like, so let's find some set decorators yeah. and like let's let's use that inspiration. So find somebody in that space and, and bondo the shit out of everything. So every seal is every seal and every screw is covered. And and then let's paint this thing. And why not paint this like Mario and paint um, this section from Rio de Janeiro, like the park that we Mm -hmm. built it after let's paint Pershing square to look like this. Let's paint uh, all this place in France to look like it looks and, and just really like let's make this look like it's an outdoor environment that we would train in um and that was kind of an accidentally great idea totally, totally. um because that's what helped it get yeah. the attention and go viral and 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 also became like a staple like now we just don't do a basic wood gym like that's not it's not what we do it's cool and and there's reasons and, and places to do that but it's just not our way
1: and then who came up with the concept to make that intro video you guys did that went viral like almost seven million views
0: i don't know um but what i will say is we had been doing we had started shooting with scott rogers okay um and scott rogers taught us the one shot skills uh right the wipes yeah Yeah. how to wipe Um, into the next frame yeah. yeah and and so um i think that was Vic's baby that video if i recall okay um but i i don't recall necessarily like how it came to be um but the idea was like, let's try to highlight the entire facility with the types of movement that would occur in those locations. And let's see if we can hide all the wipes. Let's make it a one shot. Totally. Um, and that's kind of how that developed into what it was. And, um, and it worked and it, 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 it was cool and got received well and. Ellie Golden got famous. Yeah, for reals, <laughs> that song blew up. Uh, for reals,
1: oh, it's so crazy. And so off the back end of that, like obviously, um, people that know the gyms and the brands now, like you guys have expanded multiple times. Uh, you eventually expanded to South Bay, then to North County, San Diego, and now you even have a gym over in Texas. Yep. Um, how do you? How are you guys able to run these? Do you guys have teams of coaches that are able to keep them going and functioning while you guys are still based in LA? Uh, it's been difficult. It's it's a learning experience.
0: Um, as you very well know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it, it was interesting because we threw caution to the wind to make the first one. It was, it was, I I don't even remember being stressed about it. Like I'm sure there was, there was back and forth. I do recall there was back and forth stressors about like, Hey, how are we going to do this? Do we have a business plan? Are we like properly doing business? Right. Um, but we were all also just kind of young and dumb and passionate in a way where we were like, dude, let's, let's just do it. Yeah. And uh and I'm so glad we did it that way in hindsight. Um but it worked. Yeah, yeah. And once something works, then you gotta take care of it. And then you're like, oh, but we have this baby over here, like I don't wanna I don't wanna ruin this. I have something, it's yeah. making money. And, yeah. And once it turned into a successful business, which at that location it immediately did. Yeah. Like what happens in business normally is not what happened to us. It worked. Immediately never had a downside to it totally yeah and we were like oh business is easy this is sick yeah we should do this shit again yeah um but then you start having to realize like you know after a grand opening things are slower and now you got to really like either market or figure out like how are you going to get regular customers how are you going to get people um to consistently take these classes how do you develop your curriculum like all of these things start coming up and it became like a baby we really had to take care of and i believe we were scared for a long time to try to do it again okay so that's why there was a big period i think it was a two-year period um between the grand opening in 2000 early 2011 um till i think 2013 before we committed to doing south bay okay um and then south bay was like let's go bigger better yeah. let's do it take what we learned let's do it again um and did that and had to work out now like, Oh shit. Now we got two facilities and we got, you have one person manage both. Oh, maybe you get a manager here and a manager there. Uh, how many coaches do we need on staff? Like we're just learning all these things with no experience and, and up to South Bay, not with any like real guidance. Um, but started having to professionalize right around then. Yeah. Um, and really figure things out and, and South Bay worked pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and so now you got two successful businesses, and it's like, oh, we could do this anywhere; it'll work anywhere. You believe in it. Yep, it'll work anywhere. Um, and then we go to San Diego, and uh, not only that was that just a whole new process because of everything that's going on uh, within ourselves, but also you're in a new city now. It's not just down yeah. the road; you can't just um, pop in. Yeah, it's from not your an house. hour drive away yeah. now, um, and. So from the build all the way to operations after it's open, it's a different beast when the business is in a new city. Like And that took on a whole new um, kind of uh, stress element that was added to our company, yeah. right? Like now you got to make sure you're not dropping the ball. What we would do at times is like, oh, we got to focus on this new thing and then forget about that other thing. And then we see something like, ah, oh, that, yeah. So we made a lot of mistakes across the way. and still do, whatever. That's part of the game now. Totally. We didn't know that back then. Yeah. It was more like, uh, oh yeah, we focus here. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, but we lost focus there. And like, so it's a mix of finding the right people, people um, who are gonna, it's, it's, I would say this, it's a balance of finding the right people and then doing right by people. and uh and that's something that's been probably the hardest to learn and and then uh finally opened one in texas and and same thing but like san diego dude that was not successful right away that was scary conversations were had a lot about shutting that down wow um and then one day tanner fox pops in yes makes a video all of a sudden we get this pop-off and we're like oh my god this is kind of like the intro to the age of the influencer Yes, yes right and uh Oh, we've we've all of a sudden got people standing in line to get an open gym. We're turning people down. Dude. Totally, yeah. we were literally turning people down. We had like hundreds of people in open gym where we were like, yeah, yeah sorry guys, we're closed. We're maxed out today. Yeah. Um, and that happened a lot, and that boosted it for a very small period of time. Totally. Kind of like a grand opening does. Yeah. Everybody yeah. shows up, and you're like, oh yeah, this is gonna work, and then you realize like, yeah, but those people are not who keep your business alive. Yeah. yeah. They help keep attention on your business. But who keeps your business alive is the relationships you're building with your clients and your families and the ones that are coming every week or two times a week totally. or three times a those week. monthly
1: recurring yeah. payments. Kids yeah.
0: that want to grow up in this sport and become a pro athlete. Like yeah. Those are the ones. Um, so there's a lot of learning and, and battling back and forth on where to spend your time and energy. Because ah. do you spend your time on uh, trying to make sure you're a hub for influencers or do you spend your time on making sure that, you know, a kid has an amazing experience, is learning in the sport, is spreading the word, and wants to take classes but also do his birthday party there? Yeah, like, yeah. um And so it, it just presented us with a lot of um, interesting insight and then some hard decisions to make. Totally. Um, but it eventually worked. And once it worked, then, then it, it created um, – kind of a snowball effect and it it kept itself alive and started growing and becoming like a really successful facility. Crazy. Um, And at that point, then we were like, Oh, now we know we've got this shit. Let's go to Texas. And, uh, and actually Texas was supposed to be in Atlanta first. No way. We were, we, I went um, to Atlanta, I think at this point, I'm not sure if rich lives there or he's just working there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he was out there a lot at that point. I do know this. Yeah. So I flew out and I spent some time with him just hunting to find the right place. Perfect spot for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um the film industry was just really starting to grow there and although the film industry is not what keeps our facilities alive at all. Yeah. We felt like having a place near the film industry made sense because it would allow us um to both probably be around there for work and also to like at least utilize the fact that we have a community that understands or knows who and what Tempest does. Totally. Um, So we searched and searched and searched and did not find what we liked. Um, We have pretty strict standards when it comes to like what space we're looking for. And we could not find that building Um, at at least not for a price that we were ever willing to pay. So we kind of gave up on that and we said, let's look in Texas. Um, And Through a friend, through Shane Daniels, Um, he knew somebody who had a building, and we looked in Frisco, Texas for a long time, almost had a deal, didn't work out, Um, and then we're like, you know what, screw this, we're not going to Texas anymore, we're done, and as we were getting ready to pull out of that search, Shane connected us with somebody who was like, hey, I have a building, Um, and uh, yeah, they they talked to us, walked us through the building. We were like, "Yo, this could be sick." Yeah. This is this could be very different. This could be like the new evolution of how we do these things. Yeah. Um so we used that to say like, "Hey, let's do everything that we always wished we could do and let's try to make the best version of a Tempest Academy that we can." Sick. Um and I think we did as far as the build. Um but then on the business side, it was like this whole new beast. Yeah. Totally different and demographic. Now you're not even yeah. a drive away. Yeah. Now you're a flight away. Yeah. And now you got to hire from afar and now you've got to manage from afar. And, yeah. and at that point it was like, that's when we kind of threw a lot on my wife's plate and it was like, okay, you're no longer just like a little regional manager. You're kind of like a COO now. Totally. <laughs> you're kind of head of operations of these academies and you've got to manage three different managers and they've got a staff of who knows, 15 people. Yeah. Um, so now you're managing a, a Big thing here, um, and so that's been its own process, man. That's had its ups and downs, and same way conversations of like, do we got to shut this down? <laughs> like, is this gonna work? Yeah. Are we in the right place? Did we pick the wrong city? Like, hey. yeah, you know, just learning, right? And then yeah. learning what people are liking, and, and learning like how to address a market that looks at things very different, right? Totally. Um, you know, our our brand is very, very LA, and if you're not very, very LA, you might not like that. Totally. Um, So learning where to tone down what, um, but still maintain who we are, um, has been crucial. And then also finding the right people that you can manage from afar, uh, can manage from afar. Self-starters, people that are going to like believe in the the cause of this thing and, and, uh, and help kind of keep the, the tempest aura that you get when you walk into the building and, and keep the vibe and. So that's been a whole nother learning process and, and that's doing really cool now. And now it's like starting to look like, oh, yeah, we, we might be cracking the code. And okay, so that's it's, it's been a learning experience.
1: And not to bring up a sore subject, but obviously a lot of people are curious, like what happened to South Bay? Dude, the there's COVID? a heartbreaker. Yeah. yeah. So
0: so what happened for those don't don't understand like what businesses went through during COVID is like especially in California Especially in Los Angeles. And, and, and yeah, yeah, and more so even in Los Angeles, yeah. you're correct. Yeah. Um, you are completely shut down. No ability to bring an in income now. Yeah. So you you could either do what a lot of people were gonna do and like kind of temporarily turn to online and try to do online classes. Yeah. But then I mean even in early stages it was like, but can you bring a camera person in with somebody to shoot and then they got to do a tutorial with a mask on their face. And like, it it was just like, it was almost a nightmare, especially because we're dealing with four facilities now around the U S that have to be managed and closed and what's going on with the power the water, the rent, the, all of that is so much to carry. Um, and so we, we had to shut down all of our businesses. Um, and for the most part, landlords started to understand after the shutdown became long after like three months four months you know they they either are saying where's my money yeah or um they're saying listen we understand let's come up with a plan together totally. to make sure that like you can pay this rent back later yeah, yeah. Uh, which sucks man i mean if, if you even just think about that you're like wait everything is shut down we don't get
1: to use this space for this purpose but we owe money but we will still owe the money trust me i know i used to tell my friends hey you're complaining about your apartment think about a commercial building that's like 5 to 10 times the size of your apartment bro
0: nightmare <laughs> it's a nightmare yeah. so so we're we're shut down and we're we're working out deals with all of our all of our different landlords and and uh dude they didn't want us in there man we had we had been we had been presented with offers to buy you out to, to buy us out. out of that lease yeah. for a while yeah yeah um And we were always like, no way, this is our best. This is um, not that it was better than any other gym in performance um, as far as like, what our services looked like, but yeah, yeah. that was financially our most successful facility. Totally. That was a million dollar facility. And, yeah. and, and so people don't get all caught up in that. Like doesn't mean we have a million dollars um, coming from it. it. It just means like that was bringing in that kind of revenue, yeah. but it's paying $25,000 a month in rent and it's paying probably that same amount, if not more in staffing Staff, and costs yeah, and all yeah, this other totally. stuff. So like, um, but it was a profitable facility and it was doing really well and it had the highest numbers of students um out of all of our facilities yeah partly because it was also the biggest um but they just didn't i I think he our landlord saw that as an opportunity to like yeah yeah yeah, i'll get you out and so what he eventually did is instead of forcing us out or trying to keep piling the debt because we were trying to find ways like yeah go ahead keep on the debt on us we're going to come back like you know stubborn yeah um that would have been bad but what he did is he's like hey here's the deal i'll let you out i'll let you out with no cost but you get out wow. by december 31st and wow. i'll give you your i'll give you your uh initial deposit back if wow. you leave the place uh, the way it was so i mean as as heartbreaking as it was i was like and i'm the only one around so then i got to like I, we go into this mode of like, okay, how do we do this? Okay, great. Um, Nate, can you come? Uh, Mike Escamilla, can you come help? Uh, John Pova, please come. Uh, we're gonna tear this shit down, wow. like literally, empty it. Um, so we went into scramble mode. Like, we shut it. We shut it down like two, three weeks literally emptied it out ripped everything out of there gave away foam to like bmxers from out of town who yeah. came and picked it up like people were buying obstacles from us or like just taking them because we were like here well, i don't know what to do yeah um so we we got everything out so that we could take that deal because that deal was going to probably save us at some point now knowing in hindsight that two years of shutdown would yeah. have been happening tons um, of money. on and off that would probably been two hundred thousand yeah, dollars of debt, debt that we'd yeah. have been carrying right now um So we we just get it done and I'm just in go mode. No emotions. Like I'm going to get this done because I want to have a holiday with my family. Yeah. And I got to have Christmas. So like three weeks out, done, everything gone. And uh, of course, never get our deposit back. Wow. Never get our deposit back. And it was like, is this worth even going into legal battles for? Is it going to eat it more time? Yeah. Or do we want to just say, you know what? Fuck negative people. Yeah. Fuck people that don't want us around. Let's just, let's just move on. And and find the positive things that we're doing and like let's empower those um and that's that's what we did and i think that's what helped all of the other facilities survive um because we just kind of said hey let's let's focus on what's working right the people that are doing um their best to help keep this alive because we got sick support during a time period where people could have all walked you know yeah yeah um so yeah a heartbreaker but a lesson learned and um and also i think an experience that at some point i'm going to be like I, i'm
1: really really glad i did it yeah. i don't feel that yet but, yeah yeah but at some point i'll i'll see it that way and so obviously there's tons of different teams that exist in parkour and free running but very few of them have ever gotten to the point of you guys of being not only a successful gym but a successful brand like as an umbrella overseeing everything right now what's like their current focus and direction at tempest right now i know you guys also have a media house that you've mentioned before um so like what what do you guys trying to do now in addition to just the gyms and everything
0: dude we're doing so many cool things i mean i think kings of the concrete was a result of of where we've come um, because of the pandemic during that time we kind of hunkered down and there was just a select few individuals that like wanted to come together at the time that it was the most risky to go and be in person with each other yeah there's this select few people that just kept coming in spending time next to each other Um, in and out of like, when do we wear masks? When do we don't, you know, like just trying to work through all of that. But like everybody could have stayed home Yeah. said like, I'm not doing that. Um, and so it was this odd commitment and, and I don't know if you even see this now, but in in the world right now, like today, a handshake means way more than it did 10 years ago. Totally. Right. A hug today means something like, Whoa, um, not that it ever didn't, but it means something really special now. Um, and I think that's, that's like, it's essentially saying, I trust you. And, and I feel like we have this group of people that like we're just coming together like organically. Um, I didn't have to specifically say, you know, this time to this time, these days a week. It was more like, hey, um, here's when I'm going to be here. If y'all are down, that would be a good time. Um, but then I would show up and nobody was. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, nobody was. Um, sorry, I I say that wrong, it's not nobody was there but then I would show up and nobody was doing like just the times that I was talking about. It was like, these dudes were in here and, and there started to become a vibe and like they're hanging out and they're doing other things other than Tempest work and just turning this into like a hub for them to connect with each other. Um, at a time where everybody in the world was really desperate for connection. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that created a weird bond, um, that like developed into our media house and, uh, and that's when I was like, yo, I, I can't focus on the academies right now. There's really nothing to focus on. Totally. Um, as far as like operationally um, or growing them, we're not going to look to open another gym right now. Um, and uh, I should state we had just signed a lease to expand the OG location. Yes, in the valley to the other side. Yeah. And when COVID hit, it was like, well, we're not going to spend a half a million dollars developing that into another gym. Like yeah. what? we don't know where this is going. Yeah. Um, and so instead of doing that, we just like Tempest and Tempest media house was kind of born in there and created it into this, this hub and, and what we're now calling the the HQ, the headquarters. Um, and then the back started doing trainings and, and, um, pre-vis and yeah. stunt rehearsals. And, and it's just become like a really cool space for Tempest as a brand to operate out of, um, and that formulated a media house and a production company. And um, so, yeah, now we're we're focused on continuing to build our brand and do what we want to do with content um, in the free running space, but also we're doing a lot of work with brands outside of free running that are, that are asking us to create content um, as a production company. Nice. And that's been super exciting because even if they're coming to us for content that's not free running related, they're still building a relationship with a free running brand and we're connecting that dot to free running athletes in hopes that like they start seeing there's value in being a part of a free runner's life. Let's sponsor that athlete or let's hire that athlete to be the star of our content. And, uh, that's been cool. And that and that helped lead us into
1: having these relationships, uh, that took part in Kings of the Concrete. Totally crazy, man. And so obviously you have all these things going on as CEO of Tempest. And obviously there's so many things under the umbrella. Um, But I do know that like you still occasionally still take stunt work. Like I got the chance to bring you on with Jeff Amata to double Colin Farrell, who you've doubled a few times now. Um, Do you still have dreams or do you still have a passion for doing stunt work? Or what is your own personal goals, I guess, with everything going on in your life? I do. That's an interesting question. And this is one that like, I don't, nobody has
0: ever given me, uh, any negative feedback about it, at least not to my face. Um, But I feel like it's still a perception or my, I feel like my perspective is something that could rub people the wrong way. Um, Because for me, I absolutely love doing stunts. Um, But I kind of am selfish in the way that like, I want to do it for a project that I can believe in. Mm -hmm. And I want to work on things that I really like working on. And I want to work with people that I really like working with. And outside of that, if it doesn't fit, I'm very willing to just say, like, eh, it's just not for me. Like, no harm, no foul. I don't, no disrespect meant. I'm yeah. not trying to be somebody that's turning down a good amount of money on a stunt job totally. um, because I'm cocky or I'm too good for that or or I am uh, don't need the money. It's no, it's like I just want to do things that I'm super passionate about. And so um, I think that mindset in combination with the fact that I've got kids now, right? So when I first had my daughter, I went from, yeah, I was down to be one X and go work for four months on, on a film doubling Colin or, um, you know, be in India for three months. And like, I could take those jobs and, and uh, bring my wife out and we'd have a blast. And it's like, it's essentially a paid vacation and an experience living in a city in the world that like Mm -hmm. you would never get that experience without having to commit to doing it totally. Um, so that was dope. But then I had my daughter and, um, both inside and out of our industry, I've seen people, um, mess up fatherhood and very much so I was lucky enough to not have to experience that as a kid. I had a great father, a great mother, awesome upbringing, like uh, spoiled in a way because I don't know a lot of other people who can even say that they have that totally. Um, but I'd seen too many fathers that missed their kid's birth and it was yeah. like a conversation piece. And I was like, really? Like, there's no fucking chance. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> um, yeah. I had heard from so many dads about like, oh yeah, you know, I wish I was able to bring my kids more. I really missed out on their younger years. Like yeah. that always blew my mind. And and so I made a very hard decision. I, tur- I turned down Kingsman. Um, at that time period, it was going to be like, three or four months in London. I was like, I don't think I can do it. And I kind of just made a, a commitment. And at first it was like just an internal commitment because there's the perception of like, Oh, don't tell people if somebody calls you and you can't do the job because you're injured or you can't do yeah. the job uh, for whatever other reason, just tell them you're unavailable.
1: Yeah. Like, Oh, you're busy. Yeah.
0: I don't, I just don't play those fucking games. Well, man, I just want to be real with people. and I want to not have to like try to catch up with uh, what was the story I told, like, I don't want to do that. And so at first, I was just very cautious about saying yes or no, and, and, but I was always honest with people. And then I made a commitment. I said, listen, I don't leave L.A. for work um, unless it's just a couple weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, outside of that, I've got a kid in L.A. I'm really trying to keep my career here. And, uh, and it was actually received so much better than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, Troy Brown, when he found that out, I mean, couldn't stop hiring me. Yeah. Um, Mark Norby, fully supportive. Um, all the way to, I mean, everybody that I've worked for since has all been, um, people who actually appreciated that. And, and then I realized, oh, they're doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's sick. Um, so my, so my passion has been to like say yes to jobs with people that I, that I really enjoy and can learn from. Um, and also, um, projects that I could believe in and, and then be able to maintain an awesome family life. And I want to be a part of Tempest. I want to spend a lot of my time there, and so I don't want to be the guy that you're hiring to sit around on set and just collect a check. Like as yes. dope as that is, and I probably could get a lot done on my phone or something while I'm doing that. Like, I don't want to be that. Like I, I want my time to be spent doing that, even if it's for free, building, building something yeah. um, with people I care about. And uh, so it's been an interesting ride um, in doing that, but. It's awesome because now it, it's become this like I have a career in LA. Yeah. Um, yeah. just recently started coordinating a lot more, um, and I've been working with Wade Allen to coordinate, and and that that process, um, has also shown me like oh, okay, I can still grow in that way without having to become the guy that works ten months out of the year, doesn't have a family life, and I don't <laughs> totally. want that.
1: Yeah, man, it's scary. I, I've the last few years I've decided to stay in LA locally, and I've most recently had to even have a tough talk with Freddie B and Koyama when they offered me to go assist on rebel moon and I respectfully turned them down a few times just so that I could focus on the stuff with jam that I have coming up. that I talked to you about and it's a scary decision to make, you know, to like turn down 10 yeah. months of work, but I feel so much more at peace and like I can do things on my own terms. And yeah, like you said, like try to be a part of something that you believe in, like as part of your legacy, I feel like is way more important than just taking a check.
0: Dude, absolutely, and it's hard because you don't want to come off as ungrateful, right? These are people that have also put you into places in your career where you're like, you don't want to not be appreciative yeah, you of. Give that. me a
1: lot of money, you know. It's like, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, but it, it, it's hard because I think, I think finding that balance is super important. And and for me, um, watching everybody try to find their balance during the last two years was also like really important to watch. Just being an onlooker and watching like what does this person actually care about when they can't go to work every day? What yeah. are they doing? Yeah. And and seeing some people fold it, dude. Some people have had a really, really, really tough time. And could not find themselves. Other yeah. people uh, found something they didn't know they had or something they didn't know they loved or, or or said, you know what, let me go into super drive on the dream that I always had that totally. I wasn't willing to risk losing work for. Um, and And for me, like, it was almost like, sick here's some time to like follow all these other passions that i haven't given time to because i either give my time to uh tempest family or stunt work and and now i've got 14 other projects that i believe in
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, over the duration of your career is there a movie that stands out as your most memorable or one that was the most rewarding for you
0: Mm, to work on? yeah Mm.
1: (sighs) and the answer could be no too
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's hard i mean they all there's so many for so many reasons right like Sohan was because it was the first totally. one. It's such an impactful experience. And I learned a ton um, from Scott Rogers. And, and then also like going and do my first full run on Expendables with all the uh, homies yeah. in Brazil and, and, and working for Chad Stahowski in 87. It was, there's something there that I got out of that. I, I just, I had, I could go on. Like literally every one of them does that for me. Um, but I will say when it comes to TV shows, and commercial work i can identify them so like breaking bad to me was like yeah it was it was like oh i'm a part of something sick like this is a sick show you know because a lot of times you're like well i don't know how this movie's gonna turn out yeah yeah and you gotta you gotta wait a year to find out and then most of the time it's not what you thought it was or you get cut out or just you know maybe different than what you expected um but like breaking bad So dope. One of those, Better Call Saul, where like every time I work on those, I'm like, yeah, this is dope. I'm a part of something that I really enjoy watching myself. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the HBO Lakers show that I just did.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I got called for that. I was, I had to turn it down because I was injured, but yeah. So it's a cool one.
0: I, I had just come off of a terrible head injury. I don't know if you knew that, but yes, I um, did. End of (laughs) 2021. Yeah. Um, I had a bad head injury and 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 after that i had really right before that i had already committed to like i want to coordinate more but i want to be very specific about what i'm coordinating um i really wanted to spend more time coordinating uh, music videos yeah and uh commercials yeah yeah and i did not want to coordinate tv or a film like that was just too much of a commitment for me yeah yeah um because I want to give, if I'm going to do something, I want to give it my all. And I could give those things my all for that window of time Short and still days. not drop the ball on everything else. But yeah. if I was going to do that on a film, like that's four months of my time, no, nah, I can't. Totally. I, I'll either drop the ball on things that I've already committed to or I'll drop the ball on you. And I don't want to do that. Um, but I got to coordinate um, that snowball commercial for Apple. Do you remember? Yeah, I got yeah. to help yeah, coordinate totally. I didn't coordinate it myself. That was a cool one, yeah. Um, but Dave Leach and Guillermo uh, brought me on to help them, Um, and that was badass, such an experience in Chile, um, making that. And then Dave and Greg Ramentor brought me on to help them with a Cadillac commercial. Okay. And then uh, I got to do an apple spot by myself, Um, and that was the biggest, probably, coordinating job I had done to date, especially alone. Um, And then, and that experience actually was terrible. Was the most stressful experience ever. I, I got my I got my friends and the people who worked on that and 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 helped me make it happen. I got them all paid very well and I felt really good about that. Okay. Um, but it was one of the most like heartbreaking experiences where like I just was not working with the right people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was it was rough. Um, and as soon as I came back after that, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna step back from that. And uh, and I was getting calls to day play here and there. But I had just had that head injury still. So I was really trying to like let people know up front, like, hey, I'll play. But if you need somebody to take a slam right now, like I'm not your guy. Totally. Uh, as soon as I'm better and I feel good about it, I'm happy to. But I don't want to risk this because it's a head injury. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty serious. So then all of a sudden, um, I so I, I ended up buying a house out in Texas um, okay. right, right towards the end of all the shutdowns and the pandemic. Um, I just needed a place to be able to get away for our family to get away and uh, I figured we'd Airbnb it when we're not there, you know, and and so we went out there and we just dove into that, like dove into like, let's just be in Texas, chill, like the world's still weird, like, you know, you can't really hang out in places in LA, you couldn't go anywhere, restaurants weren't open, so it was just really like a way to be away Um, and I got a call from Wade Allen and Wade hit me up and he said, hey, dude, I heard you, um, I heard you're super into basketball and... Um, I'm coordinating this show on HBO about the Los Angeles Lakers Totally. starting in the era that magic Johnson was drafted. Um, and I'm wondering, would you want to help me coordinate it? And I was like, "Whoa, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. That sounds sick. It's in LA. Yeah. It, it works in LA and Monday through Friday in LA, like where my family is and where my daughter goes to school. And yes, absolutely. Um, and it was interesting because I didn't know Wade like that. Like yeah, I, yeah. I knew Wade. I'd worked for and with Wade a good handful of times, and he's, he put me in some really cool spots. Um, but I wouldn't say, like, we were tight. We weren't ever catching up with each other or checking on each other. Like, I didn't know him like that. Um, but he was in a text group with uh, some of his friends, Mark Norby being one yeah. of them. And Mark Norby was like, I guess when Wade was looking for somebody, Mark Norby was like, uh he said, you know, Gabe plays basketball like all the time, right? Uh have you ever thought of him? And and I'm sure they had some conversations and, and probably had to talk a good amount of shit about me in order to figure out like if I was the right one or not. Totally. Um but yeah, so much love to Norby for even bringing me up and then Wade said, you know what, I'm I'm interested, I'll take a chance on him and sick. and uh so I got to I got to help him coordinate that whole season. No way, um, it's so sick of winning time. Crazy. And uh yeah, that was like oh, okay. I do want to do shows that I like. Yes. I do want to do things like, uh, if I got to go to work and we might not have a lot going on today, but I got to watch basketball practice. Cool. it's all right. Yeah, You know what I mean? I can learn something cool. Um, I get to shoot around in between sick. Yeah. Um, so that experience was, was awesome because it's a story that was like near and dear to me. Like magic Johnson was one of the people that got me into basketball. Um, Getting to see the stories of all these athletes that, like, you know, basketball was pretty much, like, founded on. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah. At least the way it is now. What we know of basketball now is, like, built during that era. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was sick. And that, that kind of, like, revived my love for working in film, TV. Okay. Um, especially on projects that I know, like, I could back. Right, like I want to talk about that. I want to celebrate that. Like yeah. I want people to watch it too. Let me hear your feedback. Like that's sick. Um, it's different than just doing something
1: that I'm not passionate fully, about. Yeah, fully yeah. Into, I feel so, you. Yeah, man. That's where it's come. That's, that's been, crazy. It's been a wild ride, dude. I didn't know that you worked on it in that capacity. I got called to uh, do the Bruce Lee recreation with the Kareem. Yeah, it's, yeah, that
0: was, like, right before I started with Wade.
1: Okay, crazy. Yeah, I think that
0: scene got shot, like, right before I you know, came in but, town to work on it with him. Okay, crazy. I finished out, like, the majority of the rest of the season. Um, and, uh, yeah, so sick. And Wade's, Wade's like, dope in a way that, like, he operates um, very different in some capacities than I am, but also, like, um, his stress levels and his responsibility that he takes on is, like, it's fair and it's like it's attainable it's not um some people go way too hard and take all of it home and then can't have a life um when they're in that position and wade does a really good job of of doing what he says he'll do bringing on the right people to get the job done in a way that's like great for everybody involved and also is like down to go snowboarding every weekend with his boys and you know what I mean? Like still has a life. And for me, like anytime I've seen somebody in the stunt world that does those things, it really like kind of attracts me to like, that's, those are the type of people I need to work with. Those are the type of people I need to follow in their, their footsteps because like, I don't want to lose that. Like I don't want to drown in the industry. Like I love it, but I don't love it more than I love, you know, hanging with my family and, and having good connections with my friends and, trying to build something that I haven't seen in the world and and maybe fall on my face, but at least having explored whether or not I could do it, yeah. uh, like I need those things. Um, and so, yeah, just being around people like that has been crucial to the steps that I decide to take.
1: Totally. Hell yeah. So this is a question I ask everyone. It's kind of all-encompassing because we've kind of seen like where you started and what you're doing now, but to kind of like sum it up to, about where you're going, like where do you personally see yourself five years from now and then where do you see yourself 10 years from now?
0: dude, this is so funny. Cause I, 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 used to probably, if you asked me this five years ago, I almost get mad at that question. Like, I hate that question of course in right? a way, because I'm like, I don't plan like that. Like that is not, um, it's not necessarily how I've ever stepped in life. Right. Like, Oh, I'm going to do this and then this, and then this it, to me, it's more like, I'm going to create something from this pure place. And if it snowballs and takes me here, then I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that that stays important in my life. And, and there's a lot of those things, right. there's, Twenty different snowballs and and the ones that are important they get my attention and the ones that that fall off well then I, I explored it enough to realize like no that wasn't for me but that idea is worth bringing into this other thing yeah and making it better um but I will say that now like I, I've started to solidify things like right like every fourth of July I want to be at the Texas house that's family time that's work ain't interrupting that yeah um so I'm doing more things um that I can say are like planned for. Okay. Um, I really believe in Kings of the concrete In my personal opinion, it's the best thing I've ever been able to do. Um, and I guess I have to say I, as a collective, we, right? Like it's not me who did it, yeah. but I did get to lead this process and be a part of creating it. And I believe in what we created enough that like, I'm, I'm pretty dedicated to not letting that go away and only building it more, growing it. um, <clears throat> And, uh, and then Tempest, I think we're finally at a place where like I can look at Tempest and um, what the world is doing in response to the pandemic and say like, we will continue to grow that. Um, we will grow more academies. I don't know if we'll try to do it at the speed we've done it before or if it'll be a much slower process, but um, I definitely see um, pushing on the content side of things and production side of things that, that Media House will grow. Um, I see us really growing Kings of the Concrete. I see myself being able to do more coordinating. Um, but again, like hopefully I can do a good job and kind of pick and choose where I go rather than like have to say yes out of necessity. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, just chasing down creative projects, man. I like, I, it's funny because I I tell people like if I was to write down all the things that I do in a day. I don't think people believe it. Totally, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think they believe it, um, because I I can't turn off my like desire to do shit. Um, it's really odd, and it's it's probably a gift and a curse. Yeah, hundred percent. But I can't not do something that like pops into my head. I have to like explore it, and so you know I got a whole bunch of things crazy that, I, that I'm tied into. Um, some that are hobbies that I hope to turn into something more than that, and some that I just hope like maybe I could start that and somebody else who's passionate like me will continue running it. Uh, (laughs) You know, I, I, would love to say that like a dream five, 10 years from now would be like to kind of maintain more of a, a creative director position in, in putting all of these ideas that I have into the world and having people that are even more, um, able than I am to operate them and turn them into something big. Um, but having, like, good teams of people around me is just something that's, like, become really impactful. So, yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. A lot of shit. I want to do a lot of shit. <laughs> I feel you, I ain't God. tired yet. <laughs> I feel you, bro. Uh,
1: uh, more than anything, man, I really appreciate you finally making the time to come on here. I've been trying to get you on here for so many Reasons, um, one of which I never really have have had the chance to formally say this, I'll just say it now. Is uh, you were the first person I saw do a double A twist in person on the flat ground back at Geo a long time ago, and you were the first people that like took the time to actually teach me how to do vaults on the side at Geo as well, uh, when a lot of other people are just kind of a little too busy doing their own thing. Uh, and those two things have like always stuck out with me uh and then obviously watching the way that you approach it through like tricking and your style and then seeing what you've done with tempest um you're one of the few people that i like look up to in so many different assets from the way you approach the sport to the style that you represented uh and then obviously that the way that you're taking on a business side of things while a lot of our friends are just very happy being soldiers as performers and there's nothing wrong with that but uh it takes certain individuals i feel like to like make an impact upon a sport and upon like a generation and uh, you're one of those people so this has been super cool for me to have you on finally so i really appreciate it dude way too kind <laughs> way too kind um yeah i appreciate all of that yeah man. and uh
0: i i will say like um <clears throat> i think i feel like you've you've i we haven't ever had that conversation No, we haven't yeah, yeah. um but I do feel like I've seen or heard whispers of it. And you've mentioned, like you did really speak highly of me at, at KOTC when you were introducing me. Um, and, and I absolutely appreciate it. Uh, did not plan to be impactful in anybody's life in that way. So when I hear it, it's like, it gives me chills. It's, I'm grateful for it. Um, and, uh, and I have to say, I told you this. I think I told you this after I got to work for you. Um, I don't think we had spent over the years. We haven't really spent a lot of time together. No. Right? We did. Like, we did Twilight way back in the beginning of my career, yeah. and then it was like years, yeah, elapsed. Yeah, but I mean, as far as like staying connected, it's kind of always been like uh, passing, and yeah. and um, and and I think when I got to go out to Boston and literally like work for you, um, it was my first time seeing you in that capacity, and and something that I've always noticed about you is like you're such a chameleon, dude. Like, (laughs) and, and, and the younger me, I don't know that I liked that. Yeah. Like not, not specific to you, but in anybody, like, I don't know that I was like, okay with that. I always felt like, is that authentic? Yeah. Right. Um, but over the years watching you develop and put shit together and create jam and what you're doing with the stunt trainings and what you've done with, um, a tricking community and a movement community and like, joining all movement like you really joined all movement like (laughs) oh shit this motherfucker wasn't lying um and then seeing you in the capacity of a stunt coordinator so i never told you of those things but i did i feel like before i left i said dude you this this is you like you're really good at this thanks man um and i was impressed with that like and it made me take a look back at both my perceptions and also like realize like dude i gotta celebrate that because that is that's super dope. So like, you should know that you've also been inspiring back in the other direction. Crazy. And I'm sure there's a ton of people that have been watching you on this or interacting with you in in, in a space that you always make yourself available to people, yeah. um, which is also a whole nother mind blowing <laughs> ability.
1: Um, <laughs> might be because you don't have a family yet. Yes. That was good to say still living that single life.
0: So. But, yeah. but um, dude, it's been dope to watch. It really has. And, and I'm glad we got to do this because uh, it was needed and, and it never just felt like we could connect on the right time to do it. And now feels like, you know, I told you coming in here, it feels like, oh, this is for some reason, this is the right time to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so dude, stoked you have
1: me. Alex. Um, And uh, yeah. Happy to chat anytime, dude. Dude, I appreciate it, man. So uh, before we get out of here, can you just look in this camera and tell people where they can stay up to date with your own personal journey or Tempest or everything that you got going on? Just shout out the platforms. We'll put it on the screen so you don't have to spell it out. Um, But just let people know how they can continue to follow everything you got going on. Cool.
0: Um, When I'm paying enough attention to keep people update, you can catch me on Instagram. Um, It's kind of the only social platform that I personally use. Um, but Tempest, you can keep up with, uh, at Tempest free running the academies. You can keep up with at TMPST Academy. Um, other than that, you can pop into the spaces and, uh, you can always reach, um, me or somebody through either Tempest DMs or my own personal. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's it. (laughs) Perfect.
1: Perfect. Yo, with that being said, guys, please be sure to hit that like button and comment. Subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for a brand new Jamcast. Interviewing influential members of the movement community like Mr. Gabe Nunez himself. So that being said, guys, give one more very special shout out. Thanks for coming through. I really appreciate it. How did you remember all that shit? <laughs> wow. Hosting skills. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, guys, coming at you, coming through. I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here in another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.
0: Jamcast, baby. <laughs>
1: Yo, thank you, guys.